for a good outcome for Tiffany's mom in that surgery and we thank you for a good outcome in her health we bless you and we thank you to open up our understanding of your holy word today we thank you Lord that you have planned for us nothing but success nothing but goodness nothing but abundance we bless you we praise you for it in Jesus name amen praise God praise God amen so today I think the Lord wants me to let you know that failure is not an option amen failure is not an option it's never an option failure is not never will be an option for us so now the word option really means to have the liberty to choose it also means a choice or a decision so we have no we do not have the liberty to choose failure We don't have the freedom of choice in that direction. Once you receive uh, God's life in you, that covenant is only a covenant of success. And that is a good success. God promises us good success in everything we do. So this overrides human ability, doesn't it? Because he, if he promises you success in everything you do, he already has taken into account your abilities. Amen? So you're not here uh, surviving on just your abilities, your understanding, uh, your resources. But as a <coughs> covenant child of God, you are automatically locked in to his abilities. His abilities will take you in his will. You got me? His abilities already uh, uh, assume his will. And so the best way to have good success we know is in the will of God. You can have excellent success if you abide in his will and so as we move in the will of God we begin to learn his ways we begin to learn his expectations of us we begin to learn the new life that he has planned for us the success of the new life that he has planned for us Uh, we begin to learn all of these things as we uh, abide in his will abiding in his will means abiding in his understanding his knowledge, uh, his vision for us, the thoughts, the abilities of God, all of those things. That's what abiding in his will really means. And so as we abide in God's will, we understand what he wants, what he desires, what he plans for us. You can only abide in his will by giving him your attention, focusing on him, focusing on what he has for you at the time he has it for you. Uh, You can't go back and grab on to something he provided for you 10 years ago if you wait 10 years to listen to him. So it's good to give God's word your full attention. Anytime you're in his presence you have to focus 100% on his word and grab that that he has for you at that time and so it's a good thing to stay in the will of God stay focused stay attentive that way you stay encouraged in God and then you don't worry about failure you can put thoughts of discouragement out of your mind you can put thoughts of failure out of your mind you can put worries out of your mind you can take fears out of your mind because you're focusing on God 
and not on what's bugging you before you got here. You got me? So if you stay focused on God, you'll be able to get your answers from him. You won't get them worrying. You won't get them going over and over and over again. The things that you did wrong, failures, shortcomings, the whatever, whatever. You know, you won't get there. And so you can only get there by dis- disconnecting from that mindset and connecting over into the mind of God and stay there. I found that a, a lot of the uh, the time that I waste is wasted on being concerned about uh, what uh, what certain things mean in life. You know what I'm saying? You, well, uh, God, you know I'm 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 getting better. My knees better off and on every day. Some days it's real good. Some days it's not. Well, what does that mean? You understand what I'm saying? What does that mean? You know, as though meaning is really going to help you. Now stay with me, folks. Faith has nothing to do with what something means. It's nothing to do with something means. You can understand that, you know, the medical profession understands a lot. They just can't find a remedy to get rid of most of it. They got all kinds of data, all kinds of information, all kinds of everything, but they cannot get rid of most disease, even though they know what it looks like under a microscope. They know what's inside of it. They know all of that stuff, but they don't know how to. So knowing what stuff means in the natural realm, that kind of realm means absolutely nothing most of the time. And so our attempts... And just think, if you could take every time your mind gets diverted and you start questioning why something happened, what does that mean, Uh, how am I going to not get there again, if you could take all of that and substitute for that faith in God's word, meditating on what God has for you, if you could substitute all your worries for the answer, and meditating on the answer, think how far, um, how much farther along you would be. Because it's by meditating on the answer that you walk in the answer. You won't get it any other way. You won't get it sitting up trying to figure out how to get out of your troubles. You're going to get it by assuming God has your remedy and you're going to stay focused on him. You're going to stay keep your mind filled with his encouragement and his thoughts and you're going to put on the shelf anything to the contrary. It takes a discipline of the mind and of the focus for us to be able to get the success that God has called for us to get. He has made no provision for failure. Write that down. That's not an option. He has made no provision for it. Now what is failure? Failure really means to go about working at something and it never prosper and profit you. And how many times has that happened to us? How many times have we been ripped off? You know somebody <clears throat> talk us into buying something and or you get time payments for something and it winds up being three times the cost you thought it was going to be. All of that kind of stuff. Well if God's made no provision for failure and you've suffered loss, what do you think is available to you? Absolutely. He's ordained that you be able to recover it all. You got me? So that should take the fear of stepping out in faith away from us. 
If we know that recovery is part of the success package, that should take the fear of moving out out of us. You got me? That takes the risk out of it. There is no risk if you go out in faith. And so you have to stay with God until he moves you with his plan and his faith to go out and have success in what you're doing. You don't have to succumb to uh, the, the negative thoughts of the enemy. What he does, he gives us an idea of failure and then sucks us into obeying it. You got me? That, that's because our focus stays on there. Why would you get yourself in trouble and just focus in on the trouble the whole time? It's just sucking you down. It's pulling you under. At some point, you're going to have to ask God for a rescue anyway. So you might as well start to say, hey, God, here I am. I'm I'm having these thoughts again. I'm losing it again. I'm thinking I'm going under again, God. Hey, stop me. Let me get over there in faith where you are. Huh? The devil works on us much longer than we think. Starts putting thoughts in there when it's a small thing. And pretty soon it's bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> you got me? Huh? That debt that we had that started out as $20 is now 5000 6000 10000 Well, he started bugging us that we weren't going to be able to pay it when it was $100. Mm-hmm. And we get on a minimum payment merry-go-round, which only increases debt. Years ago, people didn't understand how, how little it contributed to your, your debt. And now they make them put it on that payment slip so you'll know. And you look and see a $5,000 debt if you just make minimum payments and don't charge anymore. It'll take you 24 years to pay it off. So there's full disclosure. We get full understanding when we're doing things that are crazy. But God still promises you good success. Your good success is still out there. And it's going to take some changing. It's going to take you change. You're going to have to change your focus. You're going to have to quit focusing on what's wrong and what's not good. And, huh? And forget that let's eat and drink today because tomorrow we die mentality. I mean it's shocking how many people live like that. Well I can't do anything about that debt anyway. I'm just going to have a good time as long as I can. When they kick me out they kick me out. When they pull the plug they pull the plug. That's not what God planned for his kids. That is not the way he wants us to live. You don't live like that and live for God. You don't live like that and live for God. You know, that's something the Romans used to do. Men, the hedonists do that kind of stuff. Just party all night long and whatever's left over is left over. You know, God commands us to increase. Genesis one twenty six: <clears throat> Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. That means that we are to, to function in this earth in a mode of prospering everything we set our hands to part of prosperity is sowing seed you have to give into a situation 
You have to sow something. You have to give something good into a situation in order for it to increase. That's the law of the earth. The Bible says that God put seed within each thing he created after its own kind. That seed has to fall to the ground and die. Seed's got to be planted folks. That seed, something has to happen to that seed to, to, to make it ineffective as a seed any longer. It can't stay a seed. It's got to go to some kind of destruction to break out of seed mode and get into increase mode. It's got to die. It's got to leave your your control. It's got to leave your possession. It's got to leave your it never leaves your life because it came from you. Just like parents, your children never leave your life. God knows you wish they would sometime when they get 40 and still at home. <laughs> huh? Or still calling Ma. Oh, Ma, well, you got Ma. Huh? You, you just want them to come on now, seed. <laughs> Go somewhere. <laughs> leave my life. But the seed never leaves your life. Still connected to you in some way. Amen. And so, but the seed can reproduce after its own kind. You always pray they're married before they start that. You got me? But but that seed is able to produce after its own kind because you release it into the earth. You say, goodbye. You're on your own. You have your own life. Get moving. Get rolling. But go somewhere. Go go do what you're supposed to do. And so <laughs> you like that, huh, mother? <laughs> That's cool. I love it. <laughs> right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's right. That's what you raise them for, amen. So that they can be a blessing to somebody else's life, hopefully. <laughs> go and be a blessing. <laughs> So we have a command on us to increase. That's that's the only word of God in us is toward increase. There's no failure words in us. None whatsoever. His words order us to increase. We are commanded to increase. So there's marching orders. There's little feet inside of us that are always boom, 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 marching off to increase. Boom, 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 marching off to increase. Because they're commanded to do so. When you halt is when you are in danger of failure. Any forward moving is moving toward increase. Any forward moving under the direction of God's word is moving toward increase. When you fail is when you stop going forward. You're in, you're in jeopardy of failing when you quit going forward. We are made in his image with the ability to succeed and not fail. There's no failure in God. There's no failure in us. I'm going to say it again. Refusing to go forward is your sign of failure. You're in jeopardy of failing when you refuse to go forward in God. When you refuse to continue to believe. When you refuse to continue to do the things that he is encouraging you to do. When you stop doing. You're on the road to failure. You'll notice it sometimes with people in the ministry. You know, some of you have had prayer partners that are hard to find. 
when they get hard to find they uh, prayer wise they're oftentimes are hard to find in the meetings and then they're hard to find period they drop out some of us have worn out more prayer partners than we have prayer manuals you understand that because people refuse to go forward they get stuck somewhere they're stuck on well God didn't give me this and I've been waiting too long for that they're stuck in failure mentality you got me the fact that you're yet waiting on something has nothing to do with God's desire to give it to you if you prayed and you believed one time then that means you must have believed he desired to give it to you so the problem really is not with God see it's with us we always entertain thoughts of failure always well what if you know we could if we had a bucket of what ifs it would fill the river out there you got me because we're always questioning success we question ability we question God we question everything instead of disciplining ourselves to stay focused on what God told us from the beginning you got to put your mind on what he told you what you know about him and get your mind off of why am I in this position what did I do wrong you know what you did wrong just repent and ask God to make the best of it for you God where do we go from here that's what separates people like Donald Trump from the rest of the world they make mistakes they find the first thing they do when they get in trouble financially go find a good lawyer take the last money we had and invest it in a good lawyer sow seed into that lawyer then that lawyer sows seed and breathes life into your problem sorts them out gets remedies for you and then you're back in business in a year you got me that's how they do these things that's how that happens that's how successful people get success they never have failure as an option failure can be staring them right in the face and they say nope I don't receive you I'm still going for success there's success in here somewhere I know I had a contract somewhere that gave me something there's success in here somewhere we're going to find it we get success that's how they succeed see we think we're being spiritual when we try to figure out where our sin is I can tell you where it is. I can tell you where mine is. <laughs> Nosy. I'm not going to tell you nothing. See how interested we are in the things we shouldn't be interested in. I want to know where my righteousness is. I want to know what righteousness is going to get me. I want to know how to stay in the will of God. I want to know how to stay right with God. I want to know how to stay in the spirit. I want to know how to stay where things are that prosper and get out of the failure Line. won't do you one bit of good you can't do you never could do anything about your sin you can't do anything about it now except depend on God's mercy to order your steps do what you know to do if your eye offends you quit looking at stuff that you ain't supposed to look at you got me if your hands offend you you quit putting your hand to things that don't process if your feet offend you quit going places where they don't got me So, 
you know, God tells us how to get success. It's very simple how to get success. We need to know, though, is that the fear of failure will immobilize us and it will cause us to do nothing and fail. So it's fear that's really our enemy. Biggest spirit that, that opposes us for anything. Feel your, fear is a roadblock to the road that God has you on. It will stand right at the road of success and dare you to push it out of the way. Or dare you to cross it or dare you to come near it. So it must be overcome in our attempts at success. The Apostle Paul was talking about how great a door of opportunity it opened up for them for the gospel. But he says, but with many adversaries. There's always adversaries at every door. They're like bouncers. You know, you know the, the uh, um, disco parties and so forth and all that they had in the 80s. And all the places that you wanted to go where all the beautiful people were. And every, everybody wanted to get in there. Whether you're beautiful or not, you still want to get in there. They already told you it's for beautiful people. I only you know, showed up anyhow. <laughs> but they had bouncers at the door. These were people that sized you up and decided if you got in or got out. Well, it's the same thing with doors of opportunity for God. You know, if you if you ugly and you get in the door, you can say, I was in there with them beautiful people. You can't tell me I ain't beautiful. When you get in that door, you're beautiful. So you had all this beautiful waiting for you on the other side of the door. But here's this bouncer that can judge whether you get in there or not. That's what fear does. Fear is a great bouncer that judges whether you can go through or not if you let it. If you let it. If you let it. Now how do you not let fear conquer you? How do you not let fear conquer you? Well, God has a remedy to fear. It's in 2 Timothy 1.7. It's a good remedy for fear. And it's him. (laughs) He's the biggest remedy you have for fear. 2 Timothy 1. What did we say? 1.7. He says here, he tells Timothy to stir up the gifts. Don't be scared. Stir them up, Timothy. Don't be scared to walk in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Don't be, don't be afraid to prophesy. Don't be afraid to lay hands on the sick. And he says, I put you in remembrance of that gift. Paul knows that the only thing that can keep anybody, any child of God going is obedience to God. And obedience to the Great Commission. Obedience to be a witness for God. Obedience to uh, be a giver in God's kingdom. Obedience to do the things that God's told you to do. The only thing that's going to be a remedy for fear is to get up and go to doing. Get to getting. Quit sitting and thinking and trying to figure. But get up and get to getting and get to doing something. So he says stir up the gift that God's placed in you. By the putting on of my hands. He says I know you've got more to you Timothy. Because I'm the one who's imparted that to you. So it's good to have people around you. Who have imparted things to you by the spirit of God. People who teach you. Can remind you. Listen we just had this lesson. 
Weren't you paying attention when we were preaching this today? We just went over this. Why are you still worried? Because you stay focused on your worries too much. Most people can't even let go of their worries long enough to sit through a one hour sermon without staring off into. You got to bring yourself back in and focus on God's word. You've got to make note of the things and when you get home read your notes. Instead of looking for some place to go. You got me? To just waste time and do nothing. Come on y'all. It takes diligent study. You just can't sit up and, and listen to the word for five minutes and go out and do the same thing you always do. You've got to let that word impact you. It's, you're, it's deposited in you on Sunday to lead you and guide you the minute you get out of here for the rest of the week until you can get to the word on Monday. And you can get a refreshing for what you heard and keep hearing it again over and over and over again. You know, it's it's senseless to sit and listen to a sermon and you're not taking any farther. You know, the early church lived off of they didn't have recorders and stuff that we have. You know, they didn't have a lot of stuff we have, but they you know, <laughs> they kept up. One of the things they did have was a greater level of devotion to God. You know, that's just obvious in the way they lived. You know, they went every day. They went to church. Do you imagine such a thing? And most people don't want to stay an hour or an hour and a half one day a week. The real spiritual ones go twice a week. You understand what I'm saying? You get a real big pat on your back if you go to two services a week. And we live like the world. We can't even, we can't even stand up for God. In a workplace situation. Can't even cheer. We got to know that everybody around us is a Christian before we can open our mouths about God. Well, what about go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? The ones that don't know him need your, your words. You know, we're not just going to have a little gospel party here with our, our so-called Christian friends. That's why them religious ones turn on everybody. Start telling on. I said she over there praying with people. (laughs) That's what we get for trusting on religious devils. You know they turn you in in a heartbeat. They did that to Jesus. You don't think they do that to you? Turn you in in a heartbeat. I remember Miss Clydell came back from. we were over in the other church on Topher and, and uh, uh, y'all had been out witnessing. I think you've been at one of the shopping centers. And of course they don't want you there. But they got to find out you're there and tell you they don't want you there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Miss Clydell said there was a woman that uh, she had offered, you know, a, um, I think it was flyer or something like that. And invited one to talk to her about the Lord. and. And so this woman was very angry with her and very abrupt. And and when she went in the store and she came out and the security guard came out with her. And so she was standing there. And so after the security, he, she said the security guard was very nice. He said, he said oh, y'all inviting people to church? Well, he said, hey, they say you can't do it. He said, but I'm turning my back. I'm looking the other way, you know, something like that. And so Miss Clyde was left there standing there with the woman. And, she, and the lady told her, she said, well, uh, 
what is she? She made some crack about, you know, uh, your church or something like that. And, and so Clydell looked at her and she said, she said, oh, her pastor, that's what she said. And Miss Clyde said, you mean you have a pastor? You're a Christian? And she looked at her and she said, I thought you were the enemy. And I told Clyde, I said, she was the enemy. <laughs> Most of the enemies of the gospel are in church. Presbyterian church now just voted to or to marry homosexuals in their churches. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. They've been working on them for years. When I was in Women's Aglow Fellowship many years ago, there was a <coughs> um, minister who was one of our um, our um, uh, what do they call them? Um, you know a pastoral counselor for the ministry you know they weren't like your pastor but you you they always had pastors there uh when we had the meetings and there to sit on our board they were board members with us uh, you know to help guide us and make sure doctrine was straight and all that kind of stuff you didn't go off the rails and so forth and and it was good to have them but they always had to be spirit filled and we didn't care what church they came from but they were spirit filled people and so we had a gentleman there uh from the presbytery church and at that time they were just talking about um, uh, ordaining homosexual uh, ministers that was way back in the late 80s and it's taken all those years but they finally see how determined the devil is see how he doesn't quit see how he doesn't accept failure see how it doesn't bug him how long it takes before he gets his feet in there and can really do some damage and I remember the devil taking this man's life apart he lost his marriage he lost his ministry the devil stripped him of everything just because of his stand and I remember us praying with him a couple of times and he said you know I don't know what's happening to this world he said but I never thought I'd see the day that my church people who really love God would turn on God like this and he was just kind of dumbfounded and uh, but that's the price you pay for taking a stand against this type of devil that comes in and wants to tear up everything that God is trying to do in people and for people and and to have people who are so uh, uncaring about the value of that they put on salvation I mean how could you I know most of them probably aren't saved but how could you put such a short value on God and his word and what he wants to do that as leaders you stand up as a body and say we don't believe the Bible anymore you got me and it's exactly what they said and what they've done and so we have to realize that confronting fear I don't care what level it's on and demanding to go forward in God's success is essential to your relationship with God it's essential to your peace with God it's essential to your life in God it's essential that you not bow down to fear I don't care what it threatens you with you can't do that that's just unacceptable because God has given us every ability to resist the temptation to turn our backs on him because we're afraid of the consequence or we're afraid of the threat of the enemy all he can do is threaten God's promised you success 
I don't care what success means to you or what you think it means but God knows what it means to him and he's promised you success in everything success really means God's will comes to pass for you and so you want the will of God that's the best place to be you don't determine what your own personal success is you have no clue what success means I have no clue we got to trust God and just go forward and trust that when we get to the other side of that door of opportunity that what's over there is God's will for us is success and God will make it into what we want it to be eventually sometimes on the other door all you get is the rough materials you know what I'm saying is like going to Home Depot you you want a, a a pair of stairs built or set of stairs built but you got to get some lumber and put it together we look at the lumber and we don't see steps and we all upset about it but what was on that door when you went through there was a pile of lumber well God will give you the wisdom to put it together and do it you need to have patience to put things together you don't have to have everything perfect automatically but you need to have patience to put things together because God does and so fear is a spirit that's got to be overcome first Timothy 1 7 he tells him stir up the gifts he said because God didn't give you fear but he gave you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind so there are three components that we need to combat fear you don't need just raw power but you need to go with for that you got me if you wanna, if you wanna make a pie, you need you you gotta have more than crust. I mean, I love crust, but I love my feelings too. You know what I'm saying? That completes the thing. Many people think all you need is anointing. I just need anointing to get through. Um, give me anointing. I need to have a brain to go with that nothing. Or you be a nothing nut. You got me? <laughs> Fear always stands as a block to the road of success. It's going to show up, period, folks. Some people fear is such a companion to them, they've made place for it in their lives. You don't make place for fear. You don't make excuses for fear. You don't put fear in denial. Who is that big thing standing next to you? What big thing? Huh? Oh, or or we dress it up to look like us. That's my twin. Huh? That's my buddy. We we just make a place for it. We make excuses for it. We make you know allowances for it. We live in denial. That's real. I'm not afraid. Hmm? It's like uh that reminds me of a stupid movie. Remember that Men in Black movie? All those things were aliens. <laughs> <laughs> come on in here oh, the little funny ones there was a bunch of them and all they did was drink and smoked all the time and stuff right well they were always disguised as normal people that's fear it's always disguised not nearly as cute as they were but it's always disguised as normal people so that he can get along in your life hmm and don't be deceived don't let fear trick you into letting it be there hmm? it's you know always gonna <laughs> I can remember when Shirley's kids were little I would 
you know, I'd go by sometime. I said, oh, I'm going shopping. I'm going to take take one of them with me or two of them with me. I'd learn how not to take two. I just, you know, <laughs> split them up. You want to go? Yeah, I'm going to go. Okay, if it's going to take me a while, you're going to be okay. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to be okay. The minute you get it, ah! You told me you were going to behave. You told me you know, you know you weren't going to pay attention to anything. You weren't going to be a problem. You promised me you were going to behave, fear. So it rides along with you, disguising itself as something totally harmless. And when you poke it and get it upset, it's just all over the store. Huh? Yep. I used to think, I said, now I could lose this kid. I said, but the parents would be really upset with me. Could lose this one easy. <laughs> but they'd never forgive me. I'd never hear the end of it at the Thanksgiving dinner, you know. I guess I'll go find the kid. But fear is not like that. You've got to get a remedy for your fear, and it's right here in the Word. In 2 Timothy 1 7, God didn't give that to you. You don't have to receive it. You can uninvite it from your life. You can confront it. You can make it go away. You can make it leave you. Or you can use it as a stepping stone to the door of opportunity. Take your choice. But you've got to overcome it. You can let it be your springboard to leap over into faith. You can step right on its head and say, fear, I'm jumping on you and leaping into my promise. You've had it. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of any of your representatives. I'm not afraid of any of the adversaries you sent to the door of opportunity to scare me away from it. I am not afraid of you, fear. And I'm not looking for the world's remedy to my problem. I'm not looking for the world's remedy to my problem. Which is to shrink back, accept defeat, or put off victory another year. And I say year because once you start shrinking away, you never want to face it. I can't believe it's been a year since I've been trying to figure out how to, yeah, it is, and it's going to be another year. If you don't get off to try to figure out merry-go-round. People have all kinds of different ways of trying to work out fear. You know, you can see them. Uh, sometimes some of the uh, contests and challenges that people have, competitions that they get involved in, are ways of overcoming limitations. Fear that they can't do or accomplish certain things. That people, people try all kinds of ways to get over fear. Try to remedy fear. Uh, you'll see sometimes people who are, are handicapped or uh, um uh, you know, maybe were able-bodied and then lost that ability in order to get in order to get beyond the fear that they'll never be able to do certain things again. They work that much harder and confront and challenge it. They are challenging fear, folks. The fear of what's my life going to be like if I just leave myself the way I am. And so people are continually trying to overcome in their natural strength. And you know they get some success sometimes. It's amazing the number of people <clears throat> that you see nowadays that have injuries like spinal cord injuries and were told they would never walk again. 
but they never accepted it and now are walking you got me and so this this stuff is real it's it's a spirit that keeps the door of opportunity closed to you and if you keep taking no for an answer you'll never know what's on the other side of the door and don't try to fool yourself and say you don't care what's on you don't want it anyway it's a lie from the pit of hell you want it if you ever prayed for it you wanted it then you still want it don't let the devil steal your wants from you don't let him steal your expectation people will gravitate towards sports sometimes because they want to overcome obstacles and make and master certain things there's a desire for mastery in all of us and that's the God-given command to be successful to be fruitful multiply replenish be successful turn it over make it profitable for other people after you have enough the abundance will flow over onto other people that's that's totally human to want that and so God put that desire in us it can only be realized though God's way so in 2nd Timothy 1 7 we see three things that gave us God gave us to get rid of fear to oppose fear you got to appreciate all three of them. And people think all you need is power or faith or whatever they say. They always lean into the power aspect of things. But that's only one component of it. There are three things God gives, gives us as tools to combat fear. The first one is power. We need power to break through that wall of fear. But suppose fear looms up again on you. And the Bible says you need love. How did love get stuck in there? Well love is obedience to God. Love is appreciation for God. Love is worship to God. Love is faith in God. Love is everything. It has to encompass everything. Love is the spirit of God in action in our lives. So you need God in the spirit to help you. And you need a sound mind. Why a sound mind? Because fear will destroy your mind. That's the first thing it will do. It will worry you into bad health. So many diseases they know are, are soul related. In fact they all are. We know they all are don't we? We know that you can, can meditate on the word. And it will heal your body. Goes from the soul right to your body. And so we know that there is a tie-in between what's in your soul and what gets in your body. What you think about mostly is what you you are embracing. I'm going to say it again. What you think about most of the time is what you're embracing. There's an attraction there that you have for what you're thinking about. There's a kind of a devotion to it. If you worry about something you're devoted to it. Just as if you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, you're devoted to him. So once you start devoting yourself to something, it's going to bear some fruit. It's just true. Just true. A sound mind is to fight the feelings of inadequacy. When the devil says you can't, you've got to counter him with you can and you can only do that if your mind is sound. If your mind's not sound, that means your mind has has gaps and holes of doubt, none belief in it. If it's not sound, that means of one mind. 
You got one mind and that's the word of God. Meditating on it. Keeping it as your focus. Deliberately keeping your mind focused on the word of God. If you got gaps and holes. You got doubts in there. The devil will come right in there with an idea that fits right into that hole of doubt. And he'll let you work on that. Chew on that for a while. Chew on that for a while. Well suppose God doesn't. And then we let that be the last thought that comes to us. Well you've already decided you're going to chew on that. Huh? Oh God's not going to do that for you. Look at what you did. You don't deserve it. And you let that linger. See instead of saying devil guess what. That don't mean nothing. Guess what I'm going to do something else that God's going to forgive me of. And he's going to bless me anyhow. Remember your servant Balaam you sent over to to curse our people years ago? And he may wind up blessing me still. God's going to bless me still devil. You don't have the last word on this. God has the last word. He says I'm blessed. Watch me. Watch me prosper. Watch me succeed. Stand by and watch. So in Joshua chapter 1. We'll let Joshua talk to us a little bit about how to fight fear. How to have success. He's the first generation out of Israel to really have major battle conquests. I mean really major victories in battle. Joshua had an interesting history. He was a man of faith for 40 years. He held fast to the word of God. The promise about the promised land. Don't tell me. If if you hold on to something it doesn't matter how long it takes to get it. God will hold it for you until you, until you get there. He'll hold you there too. Age won't stop you. Years going by won't stop you. None of that stuff will stop you. But you got to hold to the promise and you got to obey God. There's no, there's no believing God to bring a major miracle if you're not serving God in the interim. Now let's get this real okay. You see that all over the nation of Israel. The minute they stopped obeying God, it turned negative. It turned out of their favor and they went down just as fast as they came up. And so you've got to understand that obedience isn't a bad word. Commandment is not a bad word. Obeying God is not a bad word. You've got to understand that that's got to be first and foremost. You've got to be devoted to God and obey him only and not take him for granted. So in Joshua 1, God promises them. And he tells Joshua this in verse 3. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've given it to you. Oh, that's that's cool because I got some places. Your flesh can't get involved in this. He says every place. He says, because I'm leading you. Every place your soul, the sole of your feet tread as I lead you, I've given it to you. You got me? There's no room for covetousness in here. There's no room for stupidity in here. There's no room for going grabbing something that don't belong. This is not a grab thing. This is a God-led thing. These these lands are foreordained for Israel to inhabit these lands before the foundation of the earth. This is an ancient plan for them. And so as God leads you wherever your feet tread, you possess that. You got me? 
If I go into a hospital, I don't care if it's Shriners, uh, Babies and Children's, who is he, Detroit, DMC, I don't care whose name is on there. If God sends me there, I possess where I am when I go in and I can do the will of God when I can go in there. If he tells me to pray with somebody who's in there, I'll pray with somebody who's in there. Why? Because I'm not afraid that I'm not supposed to be there because I know he led me there. If you don't know him well enough to know he's leading you somewhere, stay at home. But I know he's leading me and he's leading me somewhere. I possess and I can do what God tells me to do while I'm there. I'm not possessing to try and put anybody out, take nobody, take nothing away. I'm there as a servant. I'm there as a humble and meek servant to do what God wants me to do. But I'm also not afraid of anybody who tries to oppose what I'll take authority over every devil that tries to stop the will of God. You got me? I hope so. Because I'm working hard to try to get you to get it. <laughs> you understand me? You, you, I mean, come on, folks. You, you're not there to tell anybody off or make somebody get out your way. God has made a way for you already. Nobody's in your way. But you better go in there and get the job done. You may not come out and tell God, well, I, I was going to pray with somebody, but don't you do that. It'll be a long time before he'll send you again. You don't have to worry about him sending you anywhere. He doesn't send a disobedient. He sends servants. Servants serve. And they obey. Without question. All you have to do is go in there and do what God tells you to do. I've seen God keep people out of the hospital door. I mean while I'm in there. If if it's necessary nobody will come in there. We have total privacy. Total peace. I don't let devils come in and interrupt what I'm doing for God. Come on folks. You don't put up with confusion. You don't put up with nonsense. He has not given us fear. He has not given it to us. You don't have to receive it. You don't have to live in fear. And be afraid of what people think. And what they're going to say. And I can't do this. I can't do that. <laughs> so he says when I lead you. Every place that your soles of your feet tread on. I've given it to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness, this Lebanon, to the great river Euphrates, etc., etc. And there is people on this land. Oh. Well, if there's people. No, let me finish. It's, it's, well, you know, it depends on what God tells you how to treat them. Got me? He says, the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun. That will be your coast. He says, there shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days. Not because you're so bad. But because I'm sending you. You're going there in my will. Whoever opposes my will is what God's saying. I'll remove them so you can do my will. You got me? I'll either remove them, change their hearts, change their mind, change their position. I'll do something. But when I tell you to do something and I'm leading you to do it, I mean you're going to do it. 
He says, not any man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. I won't leave you high and dry. In other words, when you get in the midst of these situations, I'm going to be right there with you. I will not leave you high and dry. This is your part though, John. You got to be strong. I don't want no weakness here. I don't want no wimps here. I don't want no complainers. I don't want to confuse people. I don't want the people who are not sure. Got to pray about it. Got to think about it. Got to fast for 10 days. I don't want none of that stuff. I want you to be strong. And just do what I tell you to do. He said be strong and of good courage. In other words have courage to do good. Have the courage to do good. For unto this people shall you divide an inheritance the land which I swore to you to the fathers to give them. If you think the enemy's going to give you a hard time, wait till you try dividing up land with your people. <laughs> That's why you got to be strong and very courageous. Because you got to deal with the church people. Huh? He says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe. Now listen to me, Joshua. You got to listen to me like you've never listened to me before. So that you can pay attention and do everything I tell you to do. Huh? And he says, and do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it. Don't deviate. Don't go getting any cute ideas. Don't start eliminating things out of the law because we don't do that anymore. Don't start ordaining homosexuals because, you know, things have changed so much. Don't start doing that, Joshua. Just stay with the old-fashioned word of God that's always been here. And he says that you may prosper wherever you go. And he said this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then. Okay well let me back up. I thought my success. I just jump into my. No 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 no. Very important. You got to obey God. To be successful. You have success cutting corners. And doing what you think is right. And doing ah you got to obey God. Says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's not about where you go. It's not about who the enemy is. It's really about who's with you. How do you keep God with you? By obeying his word. Obeying his law. The best way you know how. Don't cut corners. Don't look for ways out of doing what God tells you to do. Oh God understands. Oh you know I only had so much time. Well you know I had this to do and that to do. That's not obedience. That won't lead to success. You got to do what God tells you to do. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. You got me? No matter what. He doesn't care if you look mean to people. He doesn't care if you look religious to people. He doesn't look care if you look like you're in some kind of bondage where you can't think for yourself. He doesn't care about that. He cares about you obeying him. 
He doesn't work through disobedient people. He can't talk to them. Huh. He said rebellion is just like witchcraft to me. I don't employ witches. He employs saints. So he has given us power, love, and a sound mind to combat fear. Our biggest and only enemy. We don't, we don't do things God tells us to do because we're scared. You're either scared of the outcome. You're scared of what somebody's going to think about you. You're scared. Some of us are scared of prospering. Know what I'm saying? We're scared of, we're scared of responsibility that prosperity brings. Huh? Sure. Well, you know, if I do that, I'm going to have a bill every month. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're scared of bills? What, what's wrong with you? You understand? There's some things that, that people are afraid of for no reason. They're just a normal part of life. You know, when you, when you get property, you've got to pay taxes. You see a lot of property get foreclosed. Why? Because they never pay the back taxes overdue. Some people have property and lose it and, and go back to renting and are so comfortable. It's amazing. You said they never wanted property to begin with. You see what I'm saying? You've got to accept the responsibility that goes with everything that God puts in your hands. If he blesses you with something, he will help you take care of it and be responsible for it. He's not leaving you in the responsibility aspect of it. He's with you there. I don't know about you, but God reminds me every month to pay my bills. I get them little things in the mail. They even send you notices email. If the mail ain't enough, they'll send you a notice. Oh, we noticed you have a payment due. Now if you sent it, it just okay, ignore this. But they still get the message across, we want our money. And that's God reminding me, be responsible. Do what I put you here to do. People are afraid of responsibility. That's why they don't ask God for much. They don't want to be responsible for anything. I want to be free. Well, free people don't have much success. It's the people who embrace responsibility, who own it, who cherish it, who expect God to help them with it, and don't mind the responsibility that goes with success. You just can't have that word tagged on your life and not have responsibility to go with it. It don't work like that. So you got to be responsible. That's why God tells us to be courageous. Courageous people are not afraid of responsibility. You know when when we had to buy a bus and I thought, God, I don't know anything about owning a bus. I don't What do you do with a bus? I don't even know how to drive it. I don't I you know, and we've kept that bus. I mean, it needs repair now, but we've kept it for over 15 years on faith. I always wanted a building to keep them in. God gave me a building. I had to get it built, had to pay for it, had to do all of that stuff. But he led me to do those things that were necessary to do for something I had no clue what we were doing with it. And yeah, it comes with responsibility. And yeah, you got to have upkeep. And yeah, you got to keep people around that know what they're doing with it and all that. You know, you got to depend on people. Aye, aye, aye. People. You know, depends on what mood they're in, whether they're going to do what God tells them to do. Most of them. You understand what I'm saying? Some people will, will 
take it seriously and let themselves be trained but most people want to cut corners when they don't feel like doing something they don't do it you understand what I'm saying I've never had that luxury you got me so you can't be you have to be a courageous person you can't be afraid of responsibility you can't be afraid of taking on projects and being responsible for them if it something doesn't go right and people have complaints you got to correct those things you understand what I'm saying that all of this comes with success it's not just a word it's a whole different realm of living you know you got to be there so God has given us all we need though folks in 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 combating this fear our greatest enemy don't ever start letting fear minister to you it'll tell you to let it stay around because it's not so bad got me uh you know uh, yeah well you know uh, everybody's got some fear you know wanting to be your constant companion i've got to rebuke that thing some nope i'm not i'm not nope you're not you can't stay around here you got to get out of here. You, the God didn't give you to me. I only want what God has for me, and it ain't you. <clears throat> so Joshua was admonished to be strong, very courageous. God told him, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna help you." This is what He tells all of us. He is with us. He is there to help us. As long as we're obeying Him, then He is with us to help us. But in disobedience, we get no help. Because he don't owe help the disobedient. Now he'll send help to you sometimes out of his mercy. But you're not going in the way you want to go in this life. You've got to turn around make that right step and go in his direction. He don't bless just what you want to do. It's just, just wrong. Why do you need God? He's not a co-signer of all your fleshly deeds. He's God. He's leading you in righteousness in the right way to go. So he says to obey his word. That proves his our love for him. See, when we obey his word. To be strong. And that means to do things under his power. Supernaturally. God has has given us all that we need. Jesus has given us all that we need. He says he's given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's in Luke chapter 10. He says nothing will hurt us. If that doesn't dispel fear I don't know what more we need. He's given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions. That means whoever comes up to you for prayer wherever you are you pray with them. And I'm not saying make 15 people grab hands with you and make a big circle and pray in tongues at the, the you know top of your voice make a spectacle but you stay in the spirit with God you let God lead you into what he wants you to do in Luke ten nineteen, he says this is where the disciples had just come in from ministering and they were excited because you know the biggest thing to people is the devil the devil's awful, often bigger than God in most people's minds. So when they saw that the devils were subject to him, the devils did what they told them to do. They were really excited. 
Because people think that's the height of power. But Jesus told them it wasn't. This is not the height of power. See, he's talking about Satan. He said, I saw him so, so long ago fall from like lightning out of heaven. He's got no power. He's down here as low as he can get. And he, I want you to tread on him. He says, I've already depowered him. You got me? And he says, I'll give, I have given you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Not just them spirits. But things that will harm you in the natural realm as well. We have power over food poisoning. You got me? We have power over all this stuff. You know, Christians, we get subject to all kinds of little ailments. And when God's already said he'd give them power over that. You know, I, people say things like, I, had, I can't drink caffeine. Or I can't, I take it all. What else is out there? You, you understand me? Because you never know when you'll have to use your authority. You know, you get somewhere and, and the food isn't what it should be and you're almost starving to death. You might have to believe God to take some of that out of there. You know, it's just that we live in such a delicate world. We don't have to, we can invent problems that we have with food. Instead of understanding you could have real problems with it. Understand me? You just We just give in to it. We don't have to. You can fight it. You can resist it. You don't have to have all this. Hey, well, I can't have so and so, and hey, this does this to me, and this does. Come on now. You got power over these things. You don't have to sit up and be a wimp and give me my pill so I can, you know, my beano so I don't have to get gassy, and you know my indigestion pills and my. You know, I used to live like that before I knew the Lord. You know, I had what they call nervous stomach. I kept antacids around all the time and I lived off of Rolaids Tums. I worked in hospitals, mostly in emergency situations. And, you know, you stand there and work all day and you haven't eaten all day and your stomach's rolling over and all that kind of stuff and I look back now I said boy God I really needed you back then you know what I'm saying that would have been a bonus to me to be able to bypass all of that and still be sound in my body Sometimes healthcare workers are have the least healthy habits of people. You know, I know I've, I've lived that life, and so it's you know kind of a, a kind of hypocrisy that we would live in. You know, you you'd be on call and you didn't sleep for maybe twelve hours straight, and then we got home, you crashed. If you couldn't sleep, you took a pill. You got me? And so it's kind of like the least healthy way to live. And so there's no remedy for that, folks. That's just part of the lifestyle. But I look at it now and I think to myself, God, you've given me power over serpents and scorpions. If you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt me. Come on now. How many times do you think you've eaten deadly things? You go fast food a lot. I tell you, your chances of having eaten something deadly is very great. Eating out of somebody else's kitchen all the time. You don't know what people put in that stuff. So God is saying to us, have no fear. I've given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So I've taken the hurt out of your life. 
I've taken the threat out of your life. Nothing shall hurt you. Oh, you mean if my husband wants to come back after I've been praying for all these years? I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I don't know what that rascal might say. Well, nothing can in any means hurt you. You don't have to be afraid of anything I bring into your life. It won't hurt you. You don't have to be afraid of anything that happens to you as you're obeying me. It won't hurt you. I've taken care of you. You're the first thing I took care of when I redeemed you. I took care of you so you don't have to be fearful about you. You don't have to be worried about you. Whether you lose your job for praying somebody. You don't have to be fearful about you. I've taken care of you. Nothing can in any means hurt you. Because I care about you. Not sending you out there to be destroyed. I sent my son to do that. I'm not sending people out to be destroyed. Didn't do God any good to see his kids take it twice. His son already took all the punishment for us. What's up with that? I'm not going to take your job from you because you pray with somebody. Go and pray with them people. Some, sometimes our greatest opportunities are blocked by fear. You know, it's just the devil just follows with that kind of nonsense. In the back of your head, you're always thinking, well, what about, what about, what about I could get sued or I could get this. Or I could, well, God will pay all your debts for you. Pay all your bills. Pay all of that. What's a lawsuit compared to one soul that would have gone to hell if you hadn't did what you did? So he's given us all that we need. Nothing shall in any ways hurt you. He said and don't get excited over the fact that devils are subject to you. That's not the height of power. So the height of power is getting your name written in the Lamb's book. In other words keep doing what I tell you to do and your name in there is assured. You got me? You quit doing what I tell you to do. So it's not pretend it's not make believe this power and it's not something you got to confess to make it real or pump yourself up or psych yourself out to get in the power of God all that he's given us supernatural authority it's given to us and that authority works over all the works of darkness works in the natural realm and works in the spiritual realm he said that he said the spirits were subject to them And he said serpents and scorpions will be subject to you as well. You got me? So it works in both realms. In other words your natural boss that wants to fire you because you too much Jesus talk or your holy roller or whatever they want to call you or they just bug by you period. uh, You have authority over that too. Devils work through people. You have authority there as well. You don't go and punch anybody out. You don't cuss them out. Or you don't tell them get thee behind me Satan. You got me? You're wrestling against principalities and powers. Let them people alone. Be respectful to people. Show love to people. But you obey God. You know you can do both of them. It may take you some, some listening to God to get it done. But you can get the job done. 
Second Corinthians ten four tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. Interesting. Carnal weapons are weak. You ever fight a bully at school? They don't go down easy. You might have to fight them two or three times to get the message, and you might you you have to fight to win. You may not win fighting with carnal weapons, huh? Arguing, striving, telling people off don't work. You would have to do it over and over and over again. That's why strivers remain strivers. They only know one way to fight, and that's with running their mouth. And they continually do it till they learn how to shut up and let God fight their battles for them. So carnality is weak. Spirituality is strong. Hmm? Witches know that much. They're always looking for power. That's how they get into witchcraft. They know they're weak and they're looking for strength. And so they go over into the realm of the supernatural to see what they can find. New Agers know that. They know that carnality is weak. That's why they're always looking for something in the spirit. The little uh, people, these mediums and people like that. They want something to convince people. And they know that mere words won't do it. They're going to have to go to something, a higher power to get what they need. Now most of them think they've found the power of God. But we know they haven't. Huh? They haven't found it. But it seems to work to get them at least where they want to go with it. And they think they're doing good for people. They think they're helping people. Some of these people are sweet little temperaments and stuff. But they're wrong. But they're on the right road because they know that on the human level, power is weak. There's no power on a carnal level. And so Christians who still remain carnal are the weakest, most deceived of all. Because we've already been told in the word that we have mighty weapons through God. But why don't we use them? Why don't we use them? Sometimes we do use God's mighty weapons, but more often than not, we try our own first to see if that'll work. And then we go huh, to the Lord. After we've exhausted all our carnality, then we go to God. Amen. So <clears throat> he tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And they're not devious. They're not the dark side of the supernatural either. Where you try to scheme an idea to see if you can influence somebody to do something that you want them to do. You have to let God do it. It takes a lot of discipline. But you want God to speak to people his will and not you just tell them all the time what God wants them to do. You know, And so God will, will allow us to use his weapons under his direction. One of the things that the the disciples and all the people that heard Jesus say uh, when they heard him preach, they knew his words were different because his words were with power. Not only did they sound powerful, but they were confirmed. So the power was, the word was with the demonstration of power. In other words, what he said had power because it came to pass. And so his words were totally different and our words are different. See, our words will be confirmed if we get them out there. 
When you get ready to pray for a sick person, you don't try to think twice about whether God is going to heal them. You've got to step up there and have courage and know that he wants them well. It's not about what or thinking about, well, what about the outcome if it doesn't come out? You can't operate like that down here. You've got to have confidence. You've got to have boldness and courage to step up to the plate and say exactly what God tells you in his word he wants to do for everybody. If we'll get out there and we'll preach it and we'll declare it and we'll pray it. If we'll do that, he will do that for every single body. One of the problems he's always had with believers is we won't do, we won't believe, and we always want to change what we say and what we think based on what we think. And we're not to do that. We're to have the courage to step up there and say exactly what God says in his word. You know that word confess. When we talk about confessing the word. That real word really means to say together with someone. And what you're saying is you're saying God's word with his force of faith. With his intent on it. You're together with him in spirit. In, in, in words. In intent. In everything. And you can't confess God's word in a, a, a detached kind of fashion. And then doubt if it's going to. That's not confessing. That's not saying together with him. That's why when we confess that we're healed. We're saying together with God. That by his stripes it's a done deal. It's not wavering anymore. It's not going to happen. It's, not, it's done already. See it's, it's, it's that way and it's that way all the time. And it's never in, in doubt. It's It's never in jeopardy. It's never in question. It's always is. And so this confession of the word thing that we have. We've got to get an understanding. We're not just saying it. But you're saying together with God what he has done. What you believe. And you're expecting that word to be confirmed with signs following. You've got to expect that. And so when we understand the power of the word of God. That's what it is. His intent is there. His expectation of a good result is there. His promise is there. His blood is there. His payment is there. His redemption is there. His deliverance is there. It's all in his word. And when we confess the word we need to be expecting all of that to happen with with that confession of it. The early church did that folks. They didn't didn't lower their expectations because they were having an off day. Or somebody else had a church that was supposed to be in deliverance and they weren't sure what they were doing. You understand what we don't we're not stopped and we're not hindered by anything else that's going on. But we pick up what God has given us to use to combat this evil that's in the world. It's what it is. We we're not gonna just be able to live anymore beside evil and think it's not going any farther. Because it's marching on, folks. And we got to march on with God if we're going to combat it. Okay, why don't we stop. Father in heaven, we thank you for understanding. And thank you, Lord, for the ability to appreciate your word and what it can do for us. And that we've got to be strong people in this earth, Lord. We can't just sit up and watch things happen. And we can't you know, just come to church and not take it any further. We've got to take this word in us everywhere that we go. We've got to be the living word right here on earth. And we can expect heaven's results when we obey you. And we thank you for the ability to hear, understand, and do your word in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer.